The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary. Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. And welcome, welcome to the other side of the news. It's a pleasure to have you with us again tonight. We have a fantastic show lined up. Our guest is going to be Dr. Joel D. Wallach. The title of the show tonight is The Medical Milking Machine. And to find this show, if you're going to look at the show page, please go to theothersideofmidnight.com. And there's some strange noise out there. So go to the other side of midnight.com and click on the banner, which is the medical milking machine. You can find it in the show catalog. You can find it in the other side of the news and the nav bar. You can also find it under our guest, Dr. Joel D. Wallach. And our co-hosts tonight are myself, Kinthea, Andrew Curry, our resident researcher, Annette Driscoll, and hopefully we'll be joined by Timothy Saunders, who has been traveling and has recently arrived back in Turkey. So um, I'm going to bring on Aneta now to lay down the basis of what's going on with the show tonight. Aneta? Hello. So tonight we have a really fabulous guest that I've gotten the the pleasure of getting to know a little bit. Uh, He has a very widespread base of information, but... Tonight, we really wanted to focus on the idea of what's going on in the um, industrial medical complex and, you know, look at the history, how we got here, look at the AMA, uh, what's going on with our whole medical system, and, you know, how did the Rockefellers influence what's currently our medical system that we function in today, Uh, what are the... um, pitfalls what can we do about it how can we help ourselves in this and there could be no one better to talk about this than doc wallach so um we i'm without um using up too much of that i'm going to go back to kinthea and have her uh give you his bio oh all right (laughs) so um as a pioneer in alternative medicine dr wallach was attacked by Big Pharma for his sensible application of good nutrition and maligned as a quack. He actually sued the FDA and won. Dr. Wallach has been involved in the biomedical research for more than 50 years. 
He is a veteran, naturopathic physician, author, and lecturer who played a major role in the development of the market of liquid vitamin mineral supplements. He became nationally known through his widely distributed auto tape, Dead Doctors Don't Lie, which I loved, by the way. <laughs> Dr. Wallach's research has resulted in the publication of more than 75 peer-reviewed refereed uh, articles in veterinary journals, human medical and biochemistry journals, and pathology journals. Dr. Wallach has led teaching, pathology service, and research appointments at the graduate level in human and animal autonomy, nutrition, and pathology at the University of Missouri, Iowa State University, Yerkes Regional Primate Research Center, Emory University, Atlanta, Georgia, the University of Tennessee, the National College of Naturopathic Medicine, Portland, Oregon, and Harbin Medical University, People's Republic of China. Dr. Wallach's research is comparative medicine and pathology is based on more than 17,500 autopsy cases on 454 species of animals, zoos, and African national parks, natal fish and game department, natal republic, of South Africa and more than 4,700 humans, including 1,700 children under the ages of 10. His first run-in with a medical milking machine came when he was working for the National Institute of Health, the day after he announced publicly that his findings offered great promise for children suffering from the debilitating disease. Within 24 hours, he was fired. The National Institute of Health wasn't interested in seeing their grants or other funding eliminated. So, welcome, Doc. How are you? Welcome to the show. Okay, well, thank you so much for the kind introduction, and um, appreciate all that. Yeah, and uh, I have a degree in agriculture, veterinary medicine, pathology, and uh, I'm a naturopathic physician, so the four degrees. Fantastic. So um, I was uh, really wanting you to start out with kind of giving our listeners a little bit of the history of how we got to where we are right now with our medical system. And I, um, you know, I, I've been... Um, I've been researching the Flexner Report, which was funded by Rockefeller back in 1910, and I know it changed the direction of our whole medical structure in this country and subsequently the world, and I was wondering what you'd have to say about that. Okay, well, we had to, we had to go back uh, several thousand years, um, uh, and you have to appreciate that... Um, Several thousand years ago, the great healers and the physicians were grandma, okay? She was one of the holders of all family knowledge of herbs and various poultices and things like that. And um, they would also put wood ashes into the garden, and they put wood ashes into their pies and wood ashes into their soups and things like that, which were a mineral source. And um, that went on until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday, uh, September 4th, uh, 1882, when Thomas Edison pulled a switch in the first commercial electric generating plant in New York, and suddenly now 
everybody began using electricity. Nobody was using wood stoves anymore. And so it shut off the, the nutritional mineral supply to the human population. Uh, yeah, most yeah. people don't know that piece. Wow, I and, did not know. Yeah, most people, uh, Tesla, of course, um, he was taking energy out of the air. And so the big um, uh, people like Rockefellers, they went with um, Thomas Edison because he used wires and they could put a meter on there to bill people. When Tesla was using remote um, machines would actually take energy out of the air where they didn't have to have wires and there's no way they could be billed, bill the customers. So the, and he had more grants from, from uh, the Rockefellers than anybody else. But once um, um, Thomas Edison showed that he could uh, supply electricity everywhere in the world with wires, uh, everybody dumped Tesla, took their money back, and gave it all to, to uh, Thomas Edison. So it was kind of the beginning of the end for human health. About that I same time, a, I have a question, oh, Doc. Which, which you just you just opened up a big question in my mind because you're talking about Tesla and how he wasn't using wires, and then I know that today we have this question about EMFs and the wireless technology. So. Can can you open up what the difference is between what Tesla was doing and what we're doing today, or is there a difference? No, there is no difference. Uh, he was using remotes. I mean, you know, we think a remote is a, you know, for the television. He invented that in the 1800s. So wow. that's not new. That's all a Tesla thing. But the Rockefellers dumped it because they couldn't put a meter on those kinds of gadgets mm-hmm. to build people. And you have to appreciate there's another piece in here uh, in that nutritional minerals do not occur in a uniform blanket around the crust of the earth. They occur in veins like gold and silver and chocolate and chocolate ice cream. And that's why some places in the world people live long lives and some people on earth live in places where they don't live very long. And uh, that's why they had migrations. People would migrate through certain areas. They wouldn't stay there very long because they knew if they stayed there they wouldn't be able to live or their kids at all uh, die early and stuff like that, and so they didn't populate those places after a period of hundreds of years because they, you know, learned what was going to happen if they stayed there. And when people would burn wood for fuel in the wood stoves and the fireplaces, it depends where the tree came from. If the tree came from a place that had three minerals in the soil, and that's all the tree needed, the wood ashes had three minerals. Well, if the tree came from a place that had 25 minerals in the soil, the wood ashes had 25 minerals. And you couldn't tell by looking at the wood ashes, wood ashes were wood ashes, you know, the average person. And um, uh, I got involved in all this because um, we didn't have electricity out in this little Angus farm in Missouri where I grew up until I was nine years old. We didn't have any electricity. We used uh, wood and wood ashes. But I was having problems myself personally, and uh, I learned that... uh, 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 to make a long story short, I solved my problems that had been going on for five years and was very disabling, and they are going to institutionalize me for emotional and mental problems and anxiety and uh, aggressiveness and everything. I'd been to 20 doctors, and um, I figured out one night that why are the animals eating the same foods we are? They're eating foods grown in the same soil. We're growing our foods, and yet they don't have my problems. And I kind of thought about it, and I said, well, we're giving them all vitamins and minerals in addition to their hay and grain and so forth, and we're just eating the grain and the eggs, but we're not taking any vitamins and minerals like the animals were. Ah. So I started taking vitamins and minerals, and in three days' time, I cured myself when 20 doctors couldn't figure it out. Oh, my gosh. I was only nine. (laughs) 
That was the harbinger of your future to come. That's 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 correct. That's that started the whole thing. Mm. Mm. Doc, this is Andrew Curry speaking. I'm the other host on the show. Um, how are you? Okay. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, man, you're a pretty sprightly dude for someone who's been around a while. You sound like you're in your 40s or something, the way you bounce about. No, most people, yeah, most people, when they look at me, they think I'm between 40 and 50 because I don't have any wow. wrinkles or gray hair or anything. And I can still whip three guys twice my size. Uh, I wrestled and played football in high school and wrestled at the universities and stuff. So, you know, I, I, I know how to take care of myself. Spent uh, 27 years in the military and know a lot of that kind of stuff. And I'm 80 years old, and wow. so um, most people would not figure that out just by looking at me, or, or as you say, my voice is uh, that of a 45, 50 year old guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it's amazing. And you know, you brought up something when you talked about the the minerals. Um, it, it just, just just to give you a little example, and you'll know this right off the top, just for the listeners. So, if you go to, I, I'm in Canada. I'm in in uh, British Columbia, Vancouver, to be specific, specific. So just above Seattle, and. Okay. Uh, just just above Seattle in Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> I'm making a joke. Okay. Oh, oh, hey. <laughs> hey, how's it going, eh? No, yeah. <laughs> See, someone's quicker than me, folks. There you go. Um, anyways, so on our um, federal government website for like Health Canada, one of the main things they say right now is that there's no known cure. It's just to kind of highlight your example of how. <laughs> I'm wondering if when the doctors back then, when you cured yourself, are any different than now. So on Health Canada, it says there's no known cure for COVID-19, and there's nothing you can do to alleviate it until we find therapeutics or a vaccine. In other words, there's no information on vitamins, on minerals, on supplements, on how you improve your immunity system for any of this. Is, does this sound unusual to you? From coming from the medical well, system. Well, it's typical of the medical. It's typical of the medical profession. I'll, I'll start out with a story, and then I'll, I'll answer your question specifically. Okay. The story goes back ten thousand years ago when there was the fever, and every spring the fever would come and literally kill millions of people all over the earth. It didn't matter what race you were, what country you were from, what what hemisphere you were in. The fever came every spring and would kill millions of people for ten thousand years. And they knew that it was caused by evil spirits. Everybody on earth knew that the fever was caused by evil spirits. Then between 1895 and 1897, a young British medical student, 18 years old, studying in India, um, was taking blood samples because they had just come out with a microscope. He was looking at blood from these people with the fever under the microscope, and he saw this little black dot in each of the red blood cells. And he didn't know what it was, but he said, well, uh, people with normal, that don't have the fever, their red blood cells don't have the black dot in it. And so he started looking at mosquitoes under the microscope, smashing them and looking at their stomach contents and their salivary glands, and he found human red blood cells in there with a black dot in it. And he said, oh, maybe it's a parasite. And so um, he began to transmit it from one person to another and one bird to another, and he figured it all out, and he published this in a little British medical journal because he was in India, and India at that time was part of the British Commonwealth, and went around the world. Remember, this guy is only 18 years old. And they had, since 1633, they had quinine, which, could, which rich people could afford, and they would use it to cure the fever, but they'd get the fever again the next spring. So they'd have to use quinine again. And um, so in 1939, a Swiss medical student by the name of Paul um, Mueller 
the, the British medical student that found the parasite was Ronald Ross. I forgot to give his name, Ronald Ross. Um, Paul Mueller from Switzerland in 1939, just before the Second World War, um, was also kind of a chemist on the side, and he invented DDT. And so he said, well, maybe if I spray the swamps, I'll kill those mosquitoes that are transmitting the fever. And so he began to spray the swamps. He gave, you know, barrels and barrels of the DDT to ship captains, and they'd go to the swamps, and they'd spray the swamps and kill the mosquitoes. In six months' time, in six months' time, after 10,000 years of the fever with evil spirits killing millions of people, he ended it by interrupting the cycle of the parasite, the malaria parasite. What did it do to the fish in the water? It didn't do anything to the fish in the water. Oh. That's a myth. See, people who have an agenda, they will make things up. Have you ever I heard of that, that concept? I thought DDT was really poisonous. It is. The fever. Right. You know, DDT was poisonous to the mosquitoes. It saved millions of people. Right. Well, no, in I'm six months' time, that. he ended the fever after 10,000 years and killing millions of people every year for 10,000 years. In six months' time, by spraying DDT in the swamps and killing the mosquitoes, he interrupted the cycle of the par- malaria parasite and ended it. You don't hear about malaria anymore because we kill the mosquitoes. We don't worry about the parasite. We kill the mosquitoes. Okay? Okay. Now, let's go back to, and you were asking me about covid well, right. I figured the COVID out. I know exactly what's happening with the COVID. Let's look at a three-year-old kid in any country. Doesn't matter what race, what gender, how you know what country they come from, what language they speak. When they're three years old and they get the COVID-19, they get minor common cold-like symptoms. When they're 20 years old, they get minor common cold symptoms. When they're 35, 40, 50 years old, they get some more severe symptoms. They might wind up in the hospital for two to six weeks, and they're, they're on respirators and take antibiotics and stuff like that and supportive therapy, and then 99% of them get out. When you hit that 65, 70, 80 years of age, when you have 16 pre-existing conditions, which are all nutritional deficiencies, by the way, okay, arthritis, osteoporosis, thyroid problems, high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, atrial fibrillation, uh, COPD, Alzheimer's disease, these are all nutritional deficiencies, pancreatic stuff, kidney failure, and dialysis. Those are all nutritional deficiencies, and, um, and you die. So why is it that a 3-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 50-year-old gets it, they, don't, they get common cold-like symptoms, and a 65-year-old, 75-year-old die? Well, that's because their bone marrow is dead, and your bone marrow is your immune system. Your bone marrow makes the white blood cells that kill and eat the virus, your bone marrow makes the platelets to prevent bleeding. Your bone marrow makes red blood cells. Your plate—excuse me. Your, your bone marrow makes um, uh, stem cells to make antibodies. And so, what's happening between three years of age and 65 years of age? What's happening is you've been eating gluten, wheat, barley, rye, and oats. That's why Italy had the highest and still has the highest death rate from the COVID virus of any country on earth. They used to be number one with COVID virus until we came along. Now we're number one. Italy's number two. But they're number one when it comes to death. 10% of those who get the virus in Italy die. Okay? Germany, their next-door neighbor, is number five on Earth when it comes to percentages of patients to their population. They're number five. But when it comes to death, they have the lowest rate, 0.5%. What's the difference between the Italians and the Germans? Well, the Italians, everything is gluten. 
pizza crust, noodles, spaghetti, mustacholi, okay, beer, okay, all that kind of stuff. Everything they're eating has gluten in it. Then you look at the Germans, everything they eat is potatoes. What? German potato salad? Baked potatoes, corn, rice. When you look at all these Asian countries that have extremely low levels of infection, extremely low levels, some of them don't even have any deaths, that's because they live on rice and sweet potatoes and no gluten. So gluten doesn't cause an immediate destruction of your intestines as soon as you eat your first pizza. It's a drip, drip thing over years and years and years. So it might take 30, 40 years for you to kill 50% of your small intestinal lining. The villi go away, you're losing all that absorber surface. Then it takes another 25 years to get, so now you've lost 80% of your lining of your intestine. And so suddenly now you're getting these pre-existing conditions. And I started telling people years ago, you got to give up gluten. I've been eating wheat all my life. I've been eating oatmeal for breakfast all my life. For, well, that's why you have a problem. Well, why am I just finding it now? Because now you have less than 90% functional intestine, okay, you have 2%, maybe 3% functional intestine, you cannot absorb nutrients which are required by your bone marrow to make white blood cells and platelets and antibodies, and guess what? What kills people when they have COVID-19? The weak immune system? Yeah, well, you, well, that's the white blood cells, you're exactly right, but what kills them? What's the actual cause of death? The, this, well, it's hypoxia. And the answer is no. That's not hypoxia. Everybody says, oh, yeah, they got respiratory pneumonia and all this stuff because of the flu. It's kind of like a flu-like thing. No, they bleed to death because they can't make platelets anymore because their bone marrow is dead. Most of them bleed to death. Wow. They don't have any platelets. Now, you go back 100 years earlier when the Spanish flu went through, in six months' time in India, they had 110 million people get the Spanish flu, H1N1. Then um, they also had 20 million die in six months. They were dying so fast they couldn't even bury them. They're just throwing the bodies in the rivers, and they're plugging up the rivers and causing floods with all these tens of thousands of bodies they're throwing in every week into the rivers. Now, what did those people die from 100 years ago from H1N1, the Spanish flu? What do you think? Flu, they're going to have diarrhea and respiratory stuff? No, they all bled to death. Why did they all bleed to death? Because, huh? Because, huh? What? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but what do you mean by bleed to death? You mean they're just bleeding from everywhere? Or how, how can you describe Everywhere. That? They're bleeding from everywhere. Into their chest cavity, their belly cavity, their intestines oh. are full of blood. Okay, because they can't make platelets anymore because the, their bone marrow was not getting any nutrition to make platelets. Okay. Imagine 200 million people bleeding to death. Because their grain in India for 10,000 years was wheat. It was a wild grass in India, Pakistan, Iran, and Iraq. Okay. And after the First World War was over, they switched over to rice because they could grow more rice per acre than they could with wheat. And now in India, they have like 300,000 cases, not 110 million cases. Okay. And because now they're eating rice and not wheat. And you look at all these Asian countries, they have the lowest rates of infection and the lowest rates of death because they're eating rice and sweet potatoes and not wheat. And so 
you have to supplement with the 90 essential nutrients, which is required by all vertebrates. That's what my thesis for my postdoctoral fellowship, kind of like a PhD degree, is in the Smithsonian Institute is a national treasure. With all those autopsies I did, I found that there were no genetically transmitted diseases. I found there were no genetically transmitted birth defects. They were all caused other than if you got a measles infection during early pregnancy or you got poisoned with, like, thalidomide, you know, a pharmaceutical. 10,000 American babies were born without arms and legs. Other than that, 99% of all birth defects are caused by nutritional deficiencies in the embryo during the developmental stage. White kids get sickle cell anemia just like black kids. It's not a genetic disease in black kids. It's the nutritional deficiencies in early um, uh, embryonic development. And so since they were calling it sickle cell anemia in black kids, they couldn't call it sickle cell anemia in white kids, so they changed the name to thalassemia in white folks. Uh-huh. You mean it's That's the a very same typical thing? medical... It's exactly the same disease. Wow. Nobody's done as many autopsies as me. My, my book where I did 8,000 human autopsies is called um, Epigenetics, the Death of the Genetic Theory of Disease Transmission. That's one of my 15 books. Okay. Uh, and so, um, this, and again, this is why my thesis is in the Smithsonian Institute. My, my thesis, you know, the text of my thesis, they, they, um, W.B. Saunders, the biggest medical publishing house they published it so that libraries would buy it and so forth it was originally it was 5,000 pages that they edited it down to 1,200 pages and it sells new in the box for $25,000 each book oh my goodness now I'm not telling you that to brag I'm telling you that for credibility mm-hmm. you can go on Amazon right now and look at the title of that book that part of my thesis uh, uh, that's primarily on the animal part, 17,000 some change, is called the diseases of exotic animals because they're all zoo animals. I was doing autopsies on 454 species, 17,000 autopsies. And um, you can look that up on Amazon just, or ask Siri. How many, how many um, um, books of the title Disease of Exotic Animals by Dr. Joel Wallach are available for sale? It'll pop up. Now, brand new in the box, they sell for $25,000. Used good condition, they sell for twelve to eighteen thousand dollars. Used in modest condition, they sell for eight to twelve thousand dollars. Beat up, that you might be able to get one for four to six thousand dollars. But you said that a lot of it was condensed. I mean, it was like from eight thousand to. Well, to well, it was condensed from five thousand pages down to twelve hundred pages. Because you, then, if they if they sold it for five thousand pages, they, you know, it'd have to be a fifty thousand dollar book. And so uh, they, they, you know, use one word for six words and things like that. I mean, this is W.B. Saunders, which was the greatest medical publishing house ever. Doc, you brought up an interesting yes. point. I was talking to a, a friend of mine this past week, and he's, he's involved in um, life sciences, and he is like the CEO of a series of smaller companies that deal in uh, you know various parts of the medical industry. He lives in San Diego, and he was telling me that the CDC in the United States is not allowing um, autopsies of COVID nineteen people. And I, I looked, I, you know, we were sort of on Zoom chatting about this, and I said, because this friend of mine is very much, you know, you know, we all need vaccines, and this is a very real thing. And and I said, mm-hmm. doesn't don't you find that curious that you know the CDC is not allowing Autopsies. I mean, I haven't verified it, but this guy's into this business, so he must know. I mean, isn't that a curious? Because no. you you brought up autopsies. No, it's very typical. It's very typical of the of the medical system, 
because if they've tested positive when they're alive or they take a blood sample of the dead body and they test positive, um, that's all they were interested in. And so if they died of a heart attack, well, they had a um, non, you know, and they had a COVID infection that was non-symptomatic, they don't care. They, that was a COVID death to them, okay? Uh, they didn't care if they really died from a heart attack or they bled to death or they got hit by a car. They don't care. Okay, the medical system, uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a, a little sidelight here. Johns Hopkins just came out with this two weeks ago. When it comes to um, deaths in hospitals, the number three cause of death in, in American this is just American hospitals. Johns Hopkins came out with this two weeks ago. You can look it up. He said, each year in hospitals from medical errors, this is just the hospital. It doesn't talk about medical errors outside the hospital, but in the hospital each year, medical doctors kill, is the word they use, kill 250,000 to 440,000 patients. Wow. Okay, and they get a walk. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're, we're coming up on break, but one thing I want to just ask you here, it seems that you are implying then that it's not really a contagious disease. It's a well, it is a contagious disease. It is a contagious disease. But why am I 80 years old and I'm out there running around like crazy in restaurants and giving lectures to big groups of people and so forth and driving and flying from here to there? And I don't have Bob, COVID. We're going to take up your answer on the other side of the break. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. I want to hear the answer to okay. this question. You're listening okay. to the other side of the news. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. Clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Side of the news can be heard here on this network, on this channel, on this website, on this URL, every Friday evening, two hours, seven to nine PM Pacific Time. I warn you, you'll miss it at your own peril.
welcome back to the other side of the news. Our show tonight is the medical milking machine, and we're honored to have Dr. Joel Wallach with us. And Doc, we were just talking about COVID-19, and I, I was trying to understand if it was contagious or not, and you were going to explain that because it yes. seemed... Yes, go ahead, please. Sure. It is a contagious disease. It's a viral disease. It's contagious. Okay. However, if you're 80 years old and your bone marrow is as healthy as a three-year-old's bone marrow, you won't get sick or die from it. You get an infection, but it'll be minor cold-like symptoms. It's only when your bone marrow is dead because for 60, 70 years you've been eating gluten, your, your small intestines are dead, and even if you're supplementing, you can't absorb it. And so your bone marrow dies. You can't make white blood cells or antibodies to go kill and eat the virus. And so something that is um, uh, sort of a, a nothing, should be a nothing, turns out to be a killer because it's that final little load that it puts on you, okay, and you can't um, uh, do normal blood clotting because your bone marrow is dead. You can't make platelets. And, you know, these are people who... You know, they're, they're 50, 60 years old, and they have to get a B12 shot every month, and they have to get an iron shot every month. And they say, you know, your platelets are a little low here. We may have to do a, uh, a blood transfusion, you know, once a month or something like that and give you some platelets. But they never ask why. Oh, well, um, you, can, you don't even have to do a biopsy of the bone marrow. You can do an ultrasound or an X-ray, and it will show you that the bone marrow cavity is filled up with scar tissue and fat, and it's non-functional anymore. Your bone marrow is your immune system. When doctors say take care of your immune system, nobody ever asks the doctor, okay, what do I do to take care of my immune system? And they'll look at you like, because well, uh, 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 they don't even know that your bone marrow is your immune system. That's where your white blood cells come from. The, uh, your lymph nodes are not your immune system. They're filters, okay? They're filters, but they don't, you know, they don't make white blood cells like your bone marrow does. Your so bone marrow you is your immune that? system. Can you reverse of that course. if you're, you know, late in your life? I don't care if you're 110 years old. If you get off of gluten, you take the 90 essential nutrients, and, of course, we at Young Jilly, we have a basic core program we call the Healthy Start Pack, which has over 100 nutrients, in, including the 90 essential nutrients necessary by all vertebrates to maintain, repair, and replace all tissues, okay? All vertebrates, including humans. And so that's why my thesis is in the Smithsonian Institute, um, as a national treasure, that's what they sell for twenty-five thousand bucks each. Okay, and um, you get off of gluten, you immediately start healing. But if you just keep hammering your your intestines every meal with oatmeal for breakfast, um, you'll have a, a flour tortilla for lunch. Okay, and then at dinner time, you go to spaghetti factory and eat spaghetti, and then. The next morning for breakfast, you'll have pancakes or waffles or French toast. you have croutons in your salad. And for dessert, you'll have a cupcake or chocolate cake, okay, or something like that. It's all gluten, 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 gluten. You'll even drink beer, which is made from wheat, unless you're drinking Japanese or Chinese beer, which is made from rice. Mm. Okay? Yeah. And that's, again, why the Asians don't have the problems we have with the COVID thing. They just don't have the problems we have. They get the infections, but they're non-symptomatic because their bone marrow is healthy enough to keep it subdued. It is an infectious disease, but the infection doesn't kill you by overwhelming your respiratory system 
and you die of respiratory virus pneumonia. That's not that's not true. That's just what everybody assumed, but that's not true. So, Doc, do you think that this is? I mean, a lot of people. I mean, we're we're in this what I call the ongoing event, this COVID thing, mm-hmm. and you know, some people are trying to find a positive lining. I mean, we try to do that here in this show, and you know, see what kind of positives can come out of this. Is this an opportunity okay. for? Yeah, a person like yourself to really expound like to the populace, not just here in North America, in the United States, Canada, whatever, but like around the world to say, look, everybody, we need to return to some fundamentals on nutrition and how to build your body through the through. I mean, it, it's the same adage, isn't it? You are what you eat. Well, that's exactly correct, and you are what you absorb. It's even more important. You are what you absorb because if you eat it, and your intestines are dead. Doesn't matter. You are what you absorb, not what you eat, really. Okay? And uh, it doesn't matter your age. If you get off of gluten, your intestines will start healing immediately. And within weeks, you'll be able to start absorbing nutrients. And, uh, again, if you're supplementing, to guarantee you're going to get all the nutrition you need. You know, a lot of people will ask their doctor, I mean, shouldn't, you know, with all this COVID stuff going around, shouldn't I be taking some extra vitamins and minerals and vitamin C and vitamin D and all the stuff they're talking about support my immune system? The doctor says, nah, just eat well. You get everything you need. And people stand on their table and beat their chest and say, my doctor said I can get everything I need just by eating well. Well, let's say you have a Lamborghini and you take it to the um, uh, mechanic and you say, you know, the red warning light's on, uh, but the oil is so expensive for a Lamborghini, you know, 12 quarts and all this kind of stuff. Um, what do you think? So he says, don't waste your money putting oil in your Lamborghini. Don't, don't be stupid. I'll sell you 12 quarts of dirt from Texas or Oklahoma, there's bound to be some oil in that dirt from Texas or Oklahoma, and you'll save yourself a lot of money. <laughs> now, an insane person would not do that to their car. They would go around, they'd tell everybody in that city what a thief and crazy person that mechanic is and wanting to put dirt from Texas or Oklahoma in his Lamborghini. But when a doctor says, oh, just eat well, you get everything you need, don't waste your money on vitamins and minerals, everybody believes the doctor. My doctor says... And then you're dead. They kill 250,000 to 440,000 of their patients every year in their workplace in the hospitals. So it's third leading cause of death in the hospitals, medical errors. That's Johns Hopkins, not me. Okay. You can look it up. Just ask Siri. It's just two weeks old information. That's very sobering. So, uh... yes, but see, the good news is even people 110 years old, they get off of gluten, they take their 90 essential nutrients. And, of course, let's say they have diabetes. We have a program for that. Type 2 diabetes makes up 90% of the diabetic population. It's one of the more common pre-existing conditions, you know, that older people have that set them up for death from the COVID virus. Um, it's a simple nutritional deficiency disease. It's not genetic in any way, shape, or form. I take people who are type 2 diabetics. I mean, brittle. They've had their feet amputated. They're going blind for 30 years. And in 30 days, they're totally off their medication, and their doctor says, I don't know why, but you're not a diabetic anymore. That's because type 2 diabetes is caused by a deficiency of either one or two different minerals or both. You can have both of them deficient or one or the other. And people say, well, I, I you know, read about that in your book, Let's Play Doctor, and I took those minerals. You know, I, I went to the drugstore and took those minerals, and nothing happened. Well, are you, do you eat oatmeal for breakfast? Well, yeah, I've been doing that all my life. Well, that's because you couldn't absorb those minerals. 
you didn't give up the gluten. So just see people say, yeah, I took that antibiotic and it didn't, you know, they had to give me IV antibiotics because the injections or the pills didn't work. Well, that's because you couldn't absorb the antibiotic by taking it orally. And I, the, another one I love is people who are 65 years old and they have diabetes and they give them um, a, a tablet or a pill for diabetes and it doesn't work. And they say, oh, you got type 1 diabetes. They, they give them insulin injections and it works because they bypass the intestine. Okay, and nobody gets type 1 diabetes when they're 65 years old. You're born with it. But doctors tell them you have type 1 diabetes. you got to stay on the insulin forever. They never say get off of gluten, and you'll be able to take a supplement, and in two months' time, you won't be a diabetic anymore. So, um, Dr. Wallach, this uh, this idea of the malabsorption, um, I'd like you to kind of address the other thing that we have in epidemic proportions, which is the obesity issue, and, and I believe it's, it's linked to the malabsorption. Could you it is. talk about that? Yeah, being obese is, is linked to malabsorption, just the opposite of what you would think, okay? And the medical doctors never trip onto it. Have you ever heard of a behavior called PICA, P-I-C-A? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can look it up in any dictionary. It doesn't have to be a medical dictionary. It's so common that even, you know... Um, Webster's Dictionary has pica in it, P-I-C-A. And this is an outrageous appetite. I mean, little kids will eat dirt. Grandma in the old days, when I, when I was a kid, again, we didn't have electricity until I was nine, and Grandma would go out in the yard with her spoon and eat dirt twice a day, or she would eat wood ashes out of the stove twice a day, because she had pica. She was minerally deficient, and she was driven and looking for those minerals. Okay. She oh, couldn't absorb them because she was eating wheat. Uh-huh. That would explain. I remember when I was pregnant, they gave me this list of, do you have a craving for this and this and this? And it was the weirdest things like paint peelings or, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what? You know, paint peelings, of course, sometimes will have minerals in there. And have you ever heard of the term cribbing? Mm, yes. Well, that term came out because when they came up with the cribs with the rails on it and the kids would stand there, you know, waiting for mom to come get them in the morning, um, they'd stand there with their hands on the crib rail and they would chew the rail. They'd chew right through the rail. And so that's why they put that plastic sheath on the rail to prevent the kid from cribbing because the kid was getting a baby formula or breast milk that didn't have enough minerals in it. And so they had pica, P-I-C-A, and they were eating the, the rail on the crib. Now, when a horse eats the top rail in his stall in the barn, they call it cribbing because he's doing the same thing the kid did in the crib in the bed. Mm. Well, you kind of just took my question away from me because I, <laughs> I was going to ask you about what you observed in as a veterinarian and mm-hmm. seeing this in animals. And I also was really interested in what you were observing um, with all of these autopsies and some of the things yes. that you noticed with that. Yeah, okay, and well, just to finish up this thing, and so people, before we had commercial snack foods, you know, like pretzels and, and uh, potato chips and corn puffs and uh, commercial cupcakes and stuff like that, and ice cream and so forth, um, people, well, uh, uh, again, would eat dirt and wood ashes, which had no calories in it, but you eat all these snack foods that have calories in them, because you have pica, you're just eating snacks all day because you're driven to be, your body's looking for those minerals, but you're eating calories. That's why people get fat when they're minerally deficient. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, this is malnutrition, not a calorie deficiency, but a nutrient deficiency results in pica, which then results in uh, a consumption of too many calories. Well, we have a program for that. It's called a healthy weight loss pack. You'll lose a half a pound or two pounds a day in our program. Of course, it's based in all 90 essential nutrients, including 78 minerals. And within weeks, you're losing a half a pound or two pounds a day because you're pushing your plate away and you're not eating snacks anymore because you're getting the minerals so you don't have pica anymore. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I apologize. What was the, what was the next question? Oh, I was, I was asking about what you observed um, in, in the veterinarian end of it and also the... Uh, as part of this is the autopsy, you know, some of the interesting things that you were able to to uh, come up with because okay, of all those autopsies. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give you a couple of fairly recent ones. Um, let's see here. In um, 19, uh, let's see here. Oh, 1977, I discovered the first non-human case of cystic fibrosis supposed to be the classic example of a genetically transmitted disease in humans, cystic fibrosis. And um, I, was, uh, I had finished my tenure study at, at Washington University, the $25 million grant, which is my thesis. It sells for $25,000 each. And so I got hired by the um, uh, Emory University Medical School Hospital, okay, um, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And I also worked for the, for the Yerkes Primate Center with NASA as a pathologist. And I ran into the first non-human case of cystic fibrosis in a little monkey colony. They had 25 couples of monkeys, 25 mamas and daddies uh, with 25 babies. They were all about six months of age, and one of them died. They brought them to me, and it was cystic fibrosis. And I knew I'd found something special, so I took the slides and sent them around to, the, to 10 experts around the world and said, you know, I think this is cystic fibrosis. What do you think? They sent me back in their letterhead. And, you know, remember, this is 1977, no emails. So they sent it back in their letterheads, and they said, um, uh, this is a classic example of cystic fibrosis. And then when I told them it was a monkey and wasn't a human, they said, oh, my gosh, oh, is there a possibility that we can get a colony of these monkeys going here? We do some studies. I said, well, uh, I'm gonna, using your, your uh, confirmation of my diagnosis, I'm going to uh, get permission to do a, a biopsy in the other 24 baby monkeys in that colony, which I did, and they all had cystic fibrosis. None of them related to each other. They were not related to each other. But the, the lady... I'll just give you her first name, Nellie. She was a psychiatrist tinkering around with her diets. She put them on a diet that was deficient in the nutrient and created cystic fibrosis in all 25 baby monkeys. Okay? And so that's all published. I was in the newspaper um, every day for three months, every newspaper in the world, because I found the first non-human cases of cystic fibrosis. And then when I told them that it wasn't genetic, it was a simple nutritional deficiency disease, that's when they fired me, and I went back to school and became a physician. Okay? Um, Emory University and the Yerkes Primate Center at NASA, they fired me because they said, Wallach, you must be sniffing glue. Everybody knows that cystic fibrosis is the classic example of a genetically transmitted disease. So that really started me off in that direction. Then in the, um, let's see here, 1980s, I ran into, um, I was working with Amish colonies out west, and they have the highest rate of things like muscular dystrophy and so forth, and so I did hair analyses on these kids and adults and mushrooms, and I did all the soil studies because I have a degree in agriculture, and found out the cause, prevention, and cure of mushrooms. It's a simple nutritional deficiency, and um, 
uh, you know, was able to give them nutritional formulas and, and cleaned up mustard industry in the Amish communities. Okay, I have some great stories about that. We don't have time for that. We have some great stories. The most recent one, April 16, 2013, a federal judge, it was my last one uh, so far, uh, the 11th award from uh, uh, the FDA, okay, federal court. Um, they awarded me a win because I wanted to put this nutrient, okay, in um, in the um, baby formulas, like Infamil, Similac, um, because I realized that only 2% of the babies that died of sudden death syndrome or crib death were in the, be- in the bed with their mothers when they died. Only 2%, 90% were by themselves in the crib. None of them suffocated, as it said. They all died of a type of heart attack called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy heart disease, which is uh, the sudden death you see in young athletes. Well, Dr. Milan, uh, my, my spouse here, right, She's a, she's a microsurgeon, taught microsurgery at Harvard, but she and her family had lots of power in Qishan Province, China. They had the highest rate of children's heart attacks in the world in Qishan Province. So we got permission to go there. In six weeks' time, I did 1,700 autopsies. You mentioned that in the introduction. 1,700 autopsies in kids under the age of 10 that died of that hypertrophic cardiomyopathy heart disease. 35% had cystic fibrosis. 100% had mustard history, and 200 of them had what would be called crib death here in the States. So with that information, we took that stuff, which was published in three languages in 1990. The English version is in the Journal of Trace Element Research. You can look it up in 1990, so you know, you know I'm not lying. And this is what was used with the federal judge. And the federal judge says, well, we've got to make these formula companies put that nutrient in the baby formulas. Doctors have been telling them it's poisonous, don't put it in there. Doctors have been telling him it was poisonous, don't put it in there. So the judge now says you've got to put it in there. Well, a year later, September 13, 2014, uh-oh, the Charlotte Observer, the big newspaper in Charlotte, North Carolina, the equivalent to the New York Times from New York, big headlines on the front page. I mean, we're talking bold like Third World War started. It said, we don't know why, but sentiment death syndrome has vanished in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Three months later, the same thing was true in the newspapers in the state of Missouri. We don't know why, but sudden death syndrome has vanished in the state of Missouri. And three months later, every newspaper in the world came out and said, we don't know why, but sudden death syndrome rates have dropped dramatically by 85 to 95% all over the world. That's because I forced them to put that nutrient in the baby formulas. Only babies who were on baby formulas got sudden death syndrome. Breastfed babies never died of sudden death syndrome. So, Doc, how do we, how do we change the culture? It's like to come back to my question to you, you know, with mm-hmm. this this ongoing event and the possibility that we have mm-hmm. a chance to really change things. I mean, you're outlining okay. something here that's so fundamental. How can we, on you know, on in our platforms and, and people in their communities, how can we spread the word? How can you look? Look. look I'd love to hire you to be the new Bill Gates because we'd actually amend our world rather than just than, than fold it inwards. Okay, well, here, you've asked the ultimate question, and here's the answer. The answer is I have 15 best-selling books which cover 900 different diseases. It tells you how to diagnose them, okay, how to do your own physical for a buck fifty. You don't need to spend $200 for your laboratory work. You don't have to spend $100 to go to a doctor's office. You can do everything your doctor does to you in that office and charge you 100 bucks for a visit. It'll cost you a buck fifty for the lab test, for a test strip for your urine, test strip for your blood. Okay, and so 
You can take your own blood pressure. You can, you know, you can do everything yourself. Okay, so you can do a physical yourself every month for five bucks or less. They even have a little machine, a little electronic machine they sell on TV for $89. Now you get a medical grade EKG. Okay, for 89 bucks. Wow. Your whole family can use it every month. Okay, and then you can do a hair analysis. Uh, they'll tell you what minerals are missing. It'll tell you what toxic minerals you have in your body. Uh, and it'll tell you if you're absorbing or not for one, one lab test. Okay, and so they're all in these books. And, you know, you can contact uh, Sandy Ellsberg, and you guys got her phone number and her email address and her website and all that kind of stuff. And it's on the page. Um, she has, huh? It's on, on the show the page. page. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sandy Ellsberg. Yeah. And so, yeah, she she has all the access to those books. We have, um, let's see here, a hundred um, CDs. One of which, "Dead Doctors Don't Lie," is in nine languages and sold over six hundred million copies because it teaches people how to take care of themselves. Okay. And we have what we call the quartet of books, Let's Say Doctor, Let's Say Herbal Doctor, Passport Aromatherapy, and it's all in your head. There's 25 different diseases you get just from osteoporosis of the skull. Why would you go to a hospital when they kill 250,000 to 440,000 of their patients every year from simple medical errors? Johns Hopkins set, set that up just two weeks ago. Okay, do it yourself. And all, you know, all the cost of all that equipment and the books are tax deductible because you can actually be an associate with us and you do a little business plan, you build a community, and you can save your church community, um, your, your clubs, your family, your neighbors, your workmates. You get a, you know, and people say, well, I don't know anything about health. Well, that's why we have all these books and CDs and DVDs. I mean, I can tell you stories that will make you cry that are on these CDs and DVDs. Okay, one of my favorites is Praise the Lord and pass the 90s to take off on the old First World War prayer, you know, soldiers' prayer, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition because we saved a pastor from the East Coast, okay, uh, who was, uh, un- uh, he was in a coma from bird flu, okay, five years ago, and we, we just poured mineral, just poured our liquid minerals on him. He was in a coma, and he was supposed to be dead before morning came with 10 other guys in the terminal ward. The other 10 who didn't get the minerals poured on them died. He was the only one that lived. And he interviewed me and became the DVD and the CD set called Praise the Lord and Pass the 90. But at any rate, we have, so you don't need to know anything about health. You read these books and listen to the CDs and, and watch the DVDs and things. You'll know more than doctors, which is very scary, okay? And you'll be able to help literally hundreds, maybe even millions of people. Now with the electronics, uh, with radio like we're doing, Zoom, um, webinars, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's amazing, and, and this is how we work this. I can tell you great stories where people are in comas for eight years, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a um, nursing home being fed through a G-tube, hoping that a, a cure for Alzheimer's disease would come. And I gave them our program through their G-tube, and in three days' time they got up, they thought they were only asleep for three days. They didn't realize they were in a coma for eight years. They go back to work because they were a, a, an officer in the bank, and nobody currently at the bank, was there when they had to, you know, went into a coma. So they thought this guy had some clever idea on how to rob the bank and by claiming he was an officer of the bank. Mm-hmm. And we were able to reverse his diagnoses of Alzheimer's disease in his coma. Well, you know, well, he's getting um, 
being fed just as, uh, you know, insured, I guess he was getting insured through his G-tube twice a day, and his brain waves were about at the end, and that's why his sister asked me to uh, in, intervene. We gave him our, our diet, we gave him our Sullivan program, and in three days' time, he was perfectly reversed, 100%. That's amazing. What I like about what you're saying is it comes back again to what we've been saying on several shows, that each of us from where we are has to make a change personally, internally. We can't wait for someone to do it for us. We have to each take responsibility for our lives. And what you're outlining is exactly that. It's not that we need some big messiah out there to do it for us. We each need to be that for ourselves. Yeah, well, the good Lord is the only Messiah that I, I'm interested in, right? And so the the thing you have to appreciate is that when when this goes around into a community, what happens to the ongoing income of a medical doctor? He will not be able to afford the tuition for his kid's college anymore, okay? Because suddenly now you're doing this. So, Dr. Okay, now before he's... He was saying, you know, we need to come in for these tests every year, and uh, I need to put you in the hospital for a week and run all these tests. You're going to be on this pharmaceutical, and the pharmaceutical companies are giving them a little kickback. And nobody seemed to care because insurance paid. So, Doc, do you think that this has been a, a, a like a deliberate thing over time, or has it just been ignorance on our part? I mean, we have these massive food-making systems now, and, and companies like Monsanto seem to owe own most of the the seed pools like is, is it a deliberate i mean if you look at it you know images like old videos or, or tv shows from the 70s everybody's lean like almost everybody is lean um and now when you walk around it's like most folks are out of shape and well, that's heavy because and, they're all minerally deficient that's because yeah. they're all minerally deficient because they can't absorb and they don't have wood ashes to put in their food anymore you have to consciously supplement with all 90 essential nutrients, two-thirds of which, 60 of which are minerals. They're not getting the minerals. Plants only need three. Nutritional minerals do not occur in a uniform blanket around the crust of the earth. They occur in veins like gold and silver and coal. Okay? The only way you're going to guarantee you're going to get them all is by supplementing. Okay? And, and it's kind of crazy. Uh, it's really, really crazy because, uh, what should I say, um... We can deal with every disease you can think of with a diet, nutrition, and eliminate it. In most cases, even if you have it, you know, like diabetes, we can reverse it. I don't care if you haven't urinated for 10 years, you're on dialysis six days a week. We reverse it in two weeks. And, 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 yeah. We're at the top of the hour. So, oh, folks, wow. you're listening to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Dr. Joel D. Wallach. Co-hosts are Andrew Curry, myself, Kinthea, and Annette Driscoll. We'll catch you on the other side of the break. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com 
Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Search the archives. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. the other side of the news and tonight's guest is Dr. Joel Wallach and we're discussing all kinds of interesting things and we also have a show page that you can see at theothersideofmidnight.com you can go to tonight's banner the name of our show this evening is the medical milking machine and we have items there including in Dr. Wallach's page he's um, referenced that uh, Sandy is available to help with a lot of things there her contact information is there so um, with that I'd like to talk uh, about Dr. Wallach's latest book um, which is It's All in Your Head and how the 12 uh, cranial nerves in your head affect your body's health and how to fix it without a doctor now the first part of that question uh, doc that I'd like to, to and it's a multi-pronged question um, is how did you discover this and um, and what what did you see that that brought you to this um, this conclusion and, and your research around this well when you do um, 8,000 autopsies in humans you do 17,000 some change of autopsies in over 454 species of other vertebrates in zoos I always do complete autopsies. I always opened up the skull, took samples of the bones, took samples of all the blood and the lymph and samples of every tissue. I mean, this, these were complete autopsies. It wasn't open them up and look and say, oh, they died of a heart attack and shut them up. I mean, uh, this was a $25 million grant, which was a lot of money back in 1967 when it came back from Africa, right? That was a lot of money, $25 million back then. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and so this is, and that's why this is why my thesis sells for twenty five thousand dollars in the hardcover version, which you can look at the disease of exotic animals, you know, um, on Amazon or or of Siri, and then of course if you want to get all my other books and CDs and DVDs, you go to Sandy Ellsberg. She, you know, you you got all her phone numbers and email and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at any rate, I'll give you another kind of weird example. And then I'll answer the question directly. Um, how many of you have heard that the reefs are dying? Well, yes, absolutely. I think well, everybody knows everyone the reefs has. Are dying. Yeah. Every, yeah, every little kid knows that, right? Mm-hmm. And what is the general belief why the reefs are dying? Well, they say it's because the ocean temperatures are rising, which I doubt. Eh, That's what 
the, you know. Well, I, I, yeah, the, the biggest one is carbon dioxide is going up because of fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody knows that one, right? The ocean's dying, uh, the reefs are dying. Well, the reefs are kind of like the canary in the mine for the ocean, okay? They're telling us something. You just have to be able to interpret what they're telling us. Well, it turns out that it's not, it's not fossil fuels that's causing the carbon dioxide to go up. It's electricity. Oh. It's electricity that's causing the carbon dioxide to go up in the atmosphere and the reefs to die and the ocean to die. It is not fossil fuels. How but do you see, know that? I mean, how do you uh, tell well, that? Because I spent 25 years figuring it out. I mean, a paper written now. We're, we're moving this paper around through all these journals that deal with the environment to see which one's going to publish it. Okay, you're ready for this? I'm not sure, but go okay. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how do we make electricity? Uh, well, a lot of it's done with fossil fuels. Well, let's just exclude that. How do you make, you can make electricity without fossil fuels. Yes. You dam up the rivers and you have, you have uh, hydroelectric plants. We have, we have one million hydroelectric dams damming up the big rivers on Earth. We have two million dams damming up the big rivers on Earth uh, for water preservation and irrigation. We have 400 million farm ponds that are fed by uh, little streams that used to feed the rivers, okay? And it shut off the food supply to the reefs and shut off the food supply to the ocean. Now, the algae that the reefs eat and the algae that the small fish eat, okay, in the ocean, in the reefs, the algae takes the carbon dioxide out of the air breaks off the oxygen, pumps that out in the atmosphere. We all love the oxygen. But then it takes the carbon piece and turns it into a carbon chain to make fiber, you know, fiber for plant fiber, also amino acids, also carbohydrates and energy and so forth. And then the polyps make the reefs eat those algaes, and they've got all the good stuff in there that are made from the carbon. Okay. Well, now we have a problem because those algae require... 17 minerals to convert to carbon dioxide to oxygen and um, carbon substances, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to so, be 17 minerals because we blocked all their, their flow. We blocked all the silt. Yeah, we blocked mm-hmm. all the silt from getting down the river, okay? Oh, okay? And that's why all the reefs have died. Okay, now you have to appreciate the reefs died millions of years ago. Also, before man came along, and that's what got me, that gave me the clue. What happened to reefs, say, a million years ago? Why'd the reef die? Well, it was too long in between volcanic eruptions. When you look at the reefs, almost all the reefs occur where there's volcanic island chains because they require an enormous amount of minerals for the algae to take the carbon dioxide out of the air and turn it into oxygen and carbon substances and, and not let it build up in the atmosphere. So, let's say it goes... 5,000 years between volcanic eruptions. Well, the algae all die. The reefs die. And what happened to the reefs when the, reef, when, the, when the polyps died? It turned into limestone. All the limestone deposits on Earth were reefs, you know, millions of years ago. Mm. And the reefs yeah. died because there weren't any volcanic, you know, no volcanic eruptions, no 
wood excuse me, no uh, volcanic ash, so that the algae couldn't break down the carbon dioxide, and so then the reefs died. Got it? Mm-hmm. So, okay, sense. so it has nothing to do with the fossil fuel. But see, that's part of the agenda of the environmentalist. Oh. So do you think the environmentalists, are, are, do they realize that? Or are they just being fed this and they think it's the right information? They're being fed this, they're being fed this and they go that direction. Just like a medical student is fed what the professors want them to get fed. And, of course, they get grants from the pharmaceutical companies, and so they're going to push the pharmaceuticals. Right? Mm-hmm. And so once you start looking at this picture, you know what's happening here. Okay? Well, what happens if a doctor gets too funny and starts using too many vitamins and minerals and stops prescribing um, pharmaceuticals? They take his license away. Yeah. You can't do that. There's no evidence to show that you can prevent diabetes and reverse diabetes with, with minerals. No, that's not true. There is. There's truckloads of evidence. Okay? Uh, same way with osteoporosis of the skull, which is which we're getting to here. There's 25 different diseases you get, and everything from ringing in the ears to, to gradual blindness, ONA, optic nerve atrophy. Uh, you lose your hearing. You get tinnitus. You get ringing in the ears. You can get atrial fibrillation. I'll tell you a horrible story about atrial fibrillation, which is a squeezing in the 10th cranial nerve, um, the vagus nerve, which controls the rate and rhythm of the heart. And this is extremely common, atrial fibrillation, okay? The heart jumps around your chest. And the medical treatment for this osteoporosis of the skull squeezing the tense cranial nerve, you're not going to believe this, is called ablation. Ablation. They take a hot mm-hmm. soldering iron, they anesthetize you, they cut your chest open and touch your heart muscle and hope to kill the place that makes your heart run funny. Well, there was yes. a U.S. congressman in Baltimore, Maryland, by the name of Elijah Cummings, black fellow, 60-something years old. He'd been a congressman in Baltimore, Maryland for 40 years. He had AFib, and they convinced him to allow them to do, in in Johns Hopkins, cardiologists convinced him to do an ablation. So he goes in, they anesthetize him, they cut his chest open, they take the hot soldering iron, touch his heart, and kill him. And they get a walk. They killed this U.S. congressman with a false theory, and they get a walk. When really all we had to do is rebuild his skull, because when you have osteoporosis, your bones get bigger, not with minerals, but with connective tissue because there's minerals missing. So trying to maintain strength and bones get thicker. They fill up all the tunnels that the 12 pairs of cranial nerves go through, including that 10th cranial nerve. That When it gets squeezed, you get AFib. Also, it'll squeeze your spinal cord coming out of the back of your skull because your, your spinal cord is made in your brain, comes out of the back of the skull. When it gets squeezed, you get, you get pain and numbness and tingling in your hands and shoulders and neck. And doctors say, oh, you have carpal tunnel syndrome. We have to do some surgery. No, you have osteoporosis of the skull squeezing, <laughs> you're, you're squeezing your spinal cord, just like when you have sciatica, you have degenerative disc disease, the vertebrae getting closer together, smashing the roots of the sciatic nerves, causing numb pain and tingling in your feet and, and legs. Same principle. Okay, so we have programs, we call the, what, we, what we call the Healthy Bone and Joint Pack, and one per 100 pounds of body weight, and you throw in a couple of other things like vitamin D3 and some MSM and so forth. And within weeks and months, we're able to rebuild your bones, rebuild your cartilage, ligaments and tendons, rebuild your skull, and all these issues go away. So we am do this I to... tens of thousands of times every month. 
So am I understanding this correctly that if you did that, you could reverse this, not only reverse it, but it seems that maybe that connective tissue might, it's shrinking back and opening those up. You, get, a, you get an A+. Plus. The, yeah. the connective tissue shrinks back down to normal. See, your skull should be a quarter of an inch thick. Under normal circumstances, you have all the proper minerals and vitamins and everything. Everybody's happy, including the 12 pairs of cranial nerve in your spinal cord. When you have osteoporosis of the skull, your, your skull gets an inch thick. You look wow. it up, it's called Paget's disease, P-A-G-E-T, P-A-G-E-T, Paget's disease. I mean, they knew this 5,000 years ago in Egypt because they would cut people open to die and have all these symptoms and everything, and they, they named it after an, uh, an English guy by the name of Paget. Okay? Well, now they call it Wallach's fibrous dysplasia because he said it was a genetic thing. It's not a genetic thing, and I couldn't stand it that it would be for another 1,000 years to be called a genetic disease and really just a simple nutritional deficiency disease. So I purposely, in this new book called It's All in Your Head, that this, this uh, Paget's disease is Wallach's fibrous dysplasia, which affects all the bones in your body, fills up your, your bone marrow cavities, and, including your skull, and your bones in your legs and arms and pelvis and so forth, and your vertebrae, with connective tissue, so you cannot make white blood cells, platelets, red blood cells, and antibodies, okay? And because um, I want people to say, well, Wallach, you're, you're kind of arrogant. You named it after yourself. Well, why don't you just leave it Paget's disease? Because he was the one that first described it. Yeah, but he attributed it to genetics when it's really just a nutritional deficiency disease. If, he, if everybody reads in their medical textbook that it's a genetic disease, why would they give you any vitamins and minerals? Mm. Mm-hmm. So this, this really comes back to the whole thing of being able to have that healthy bone marrow because if you have osteoporosis, which it's sounding like most people would have it, at least in this country with our diets, then uh, you, it goes back to the thing where you're not able to produce those platelets, which would make you susceptible to the COVID-19. Yes? That's correct. Okay. So it's all kind of goes, it's very circular here. Yeah, well, see, I figured that out because I went back and I redid some of the autopsies from 1918 when they had the Spanish flu and 110 million people from India in six months' time got the Spanish flu, H1N1, and within that same six months' period, 20 million died, and they all bled to death. They didn't die of flu-like symptoms, diarrhea and lung disease. They all bled to death because they had gluten for their whole life for 10,000 years. And they couldn't make platelets, and that's why they all bled to death. It took me to figure it out because I'm always looking for the bottom line. I'm not looking for the symptom. I'm, I'm not looking that they have COVID virus and they're dead. That's not enough. I wanted to know their cause of death. What did they really die from? And bleeding to death has nothing directly to do with the virus. It's just another load on somebody that already has all these pre-existing conditions. So what you're saying about gluten then would be that everybody has this issue. It wouldn't just be people that has sensitivity or celiacs or something like that. Everybody, well, everybody has everybody has a sensitivity to gluten. Gluten is not for human beings. Gluten is not for any vertebrates. Some few people get diagnosed with celiac disease, but everybody who eats gluten gets celiac disease. They get irritable bowel syndrome. They get um, diverticulitis. They get colitis. They, they, you know, all those. When you look at all those diseases under the microscope, they look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They just give them different names because of different locations where you have more pain. I've, uh, yes, that's interesting. I have celiacs. I've been diagnosed for quite some time, and I've, <laughs> I've always noticed that those look just about the same to me. That's interesting to hear the reason why. Really interesting. Yeah. Well, everybody in your yeah. family, including the dog and the cat, and spouse and kids and 
roommates and renters, mom and dad, grandma, everybody's got to be drop-dead gluten-free. If you have children, you got to teach them to be gluten-free. You have brothers and sisters from the same mother, they all got to be gluten-free. If your mom's still alive, she's got to be gluten-free. Otherwise, it's going to kill them. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's not a genetic thing, but it's how people get taught to eat. Okay? And so you get off of gluten. I mean, obsessively drop-dead gluten-free, don't even say the word. You take your 90 essential nutrients, and all these pre-existing conditions go away. Why would you go to Why would you go to 25 different medical professionals? Well, I've got good insurance; it doesn't cost me anything. Yeah, it'll cost you your life, fool. Mm-hmm. That's Elijah Cummings. How it worked for him. Oh uh, yes, I went oh. from doctor to doctor to doctor, and um, basically, yeah, I, I spent a lot of money getting no answers. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so I, so, I know. Oh, well, now you know. So <laughs> now you know. You get on. Yes, go ahead. What do you do about the critics that that attack you? I mean, like in this time of this COVID-19, we have so much censoring of the information and we have governments and health officials saying, oh, no, 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 you got to listen to us only. And, and, you know, videos are taken down, vetted epidemiologists, top virologists, top doctors who speak up, lose their job. How do you react when you get attacked that, you know, oh, your science is not as good as, as our medical science? Okay, well, uh, let's just do a comparison. They never want to do a comparison when they say that to me. Okay, now you have to appreciate, um, I, uh, from, from a political standpoint, a legal standpoint, I cannot say that I have a product that will kill the COVID virus. Right. I mean, they've already sent all nutritional companies, they've already sent all nutritional companies out, and the FDA has sent letters saying, you know, we'll close you down if you claim you have a product that will kill the virus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we don't claim we have any products that kill the virus. We, we say we want to support the immune system. Doctors tell everybody, support your immune system. You have to do two things. Get off of gluten and take the 90 essential nutrients. You want your white blood cells and the antibodies to go kill and eat the viruses. Okay. But we're not killing the virus directly. We're, we're supporting the body's immune system. Right. Okay. It's a totally different story. And so whether they like us or not, a percentage of people will do what we say. A percentage won't. Well, the percentage that don't do what we say, they're going to pay a horrible, terrible price. It'll cost them a lot of money. It'll cost them their lives. Worse yet, it'll cost them the lives of their kids. Or, you know, let's say a mom is 80 years old and, and her 50-year-old son dies of COVID. Okay? Because, you know, he wouldn't get off of gluten. And the doctor said, ah, that's all nonsense. Eat whole grains are good for you. Okay? And so... Um, there comes to, it's kind of a survival thing. And right. so you have, you have not only herd immunity, but you have herd knowledge. And you have people who say, well, all those people in that village over there are alive. Nobody ever died of COVID. And yet they're 60, 70, 80 years old. We want to go find what they're doing. Well, they all were Asians, and they all lived on rice and sweet potatoes, and nobody ate gluten. Mm. So can I ask you a, a, a kind of sideline question then? Sure. I mean, this, this rice this and sweet potatoes. So there's a lot of stuff around, um, you know, with blood sugar, diabetes, and um, this this whole idea they're eating a lot of uh, rice and sweet potatoes. So, you know, the mainstream says, oh, well, that's, that's all this carbohydrates and blah, 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 and it raises your blood sugar. But on the other hand, we know that they're also healthier. So what could, you know, what would you say about all of that? Okay, well, you have to appreciate that if you have all 90 essential nutrients, including those two minerals that make your insulin work properly, okay, 
and you're absorbing all these things because you're eating sweet potatoes and rice. Again, I take people that have been uh, brittle diabetics for 30 years and in 30 days are ex-diabetics. Mm-hmm. Type 2 diabetes is a simple nutritional deficiency disease, but doctors treat it like it's a genetic disease. Why is your whole family, why do five generations in your family have diabetes if it's not genetic? Well, because they all live in the same area, so the soil is, it doesn't have those nutrients in it, and they all eat gluten. Oh. Mm-hmm. So um, on the epigenetic side of that, then, uh, can, you, can you address that a little bit about, you know, letting people know how they can immediately affect that? And I know they can affect it with their diet, of course. Is there any, you know, what else well, would you say people, about that? See, that's, that's, that's well, the, the diet is misleading because you can maybe lower your blood sugar a little bit, lose a few pounds by getting rid of a lot of carbohydrates, which turn into sugar. But that's not the answer for diabetes. The answer is you want to make your, your blood sugar lower, okay, which means you have to make your insulin more efficient. See, when you're a type 2 diabetic, you're making tons of insulin. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it work? Why do you have to take another injection of it, you know, so you get a big truckload, okay? Why doesn't your own insulin work? Well, because you're missing those minerals, which are cofactors, to make it work. Now, one of my favorite sort of giveaways is people who get sleepy an hour after they eat. You ever hear, you know, like... um, uh, Food coma. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's a reactive hypoglycemia, Mm -hmm. okay? They eat, and then an hour or two hours later, they fall asleep. Very dangerous on the highway, okay? You, you've seen people like that. Oh, I have to take a nap. But, you know, I'm sleepy after, after I eat all the time, right? Oh, that would be me, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're talking to one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this is, this is the red warning light in your dashboard saying you're going to get diabetes if you don't do something about it. So you get off of gluten. You take our one healthy um, blood sugar pack per 100 pounds of body weight. You read up on all this in the book Let's Play Doctor in the book Epigenetics under Type 2 Diabetes. tells you why it's going to work, how it's going to work. And I don't care if you're really, I mean, you are sawing logs and you sleep soundly for four hours. You know, you go to sleep, say, an hour or two hours after you eat, and you go to sleep for four hours every day, every meal. You've been in several car accidents and driving off the road and all that kind of stuff. Okay, falling asleep at work after meals. And then suddenly now, because you're on the healthy blood sugar pack you're all, and you're off of gluten, in two weeks' time, you go to sit down in your chair and you don't fall asleep. What's going on here? Well, that's because now your insulin is working okay properly, and so you don't have a big load of insulin knocking your blood sugar down to where you fall asleep. It's working like it should. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you from, from my personal experience, um, of I, I, I have just started the liquid minerals that you have, and I ex- absolutely had this problem every time I ate. I had a lot of other problems, too, but we'll just talk about this one. And I have noticed that I am much, I'm not having that issue, and it's only been two, three weeks, three weeks maybe, total. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very significant. And, and, yeah, and if you would throw in, along with those liquid minerals, if you throw in the sweeties, which is our secret sauce for blood sugar problems, you'll speed up the process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very interesting. I, you know, I've, I, I've never um, understood why that, you know, that, that it was a mineral deficiency that was causing it not, the, you know, the receptors not to quite function right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. 
interesting. Yeah, well, the dysfunction is caused by nutritional deficiency, the same way um, with habit pressure. What causes habit pressure? Well, it's a genetic thing. No, it's caused by blockages of your arteries, particularly arteries that feed the dirty blood into the kidneys. The kidneys will release a hormone called renin, which drives your blood pressure up, hoping to get more blood to be driven into the kidneys, so it'll filter it. And you get off all the fried foods, all the salad dressings and cooking oils and oils, you know, extra, 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 virgin, virgin, virgin olive oil. And in two weeks' time, I don't care if you're on dialysis six days a week and you haven't urinated in 10 years, you'll be urinating in two weeks and you'll be off of dialysis. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. Well, I'm, I was just curious, I'm making a leap here. What about those who've been, had a stroke? Okay. Well, we have a program for that where you have blocked arteries and you had a stroke and a blood clot and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have what we call the Healthy Brain and Heart Pack, and then we have what we call the Ultimate Daily Classic Tablets. You throw those things in, and um, they will support healthy blood pressure and healthy blood flow through the blocked arteries. And if you stay away from all the bad foods that cause the blocked arteries, your arteries will heal themselves. Now, cholesterol has nothing to do with plugging your arteries. Plaquing your arteries has no cholesterol in it. Your brain is 75% cholesterol. Women's hormones, estrogen, progesterone, are 95% cholesterol. Men's hormone, testosterone, is 95% cholesterol. Cholesterol is your best friend. There was no such thing as Alzheimer's disease until doctors told everybody to get on their statin drugs and get off of cholesterol. And Alzheimer's disease popped up. Now, there were seven other types of dementias, but not Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease is caused by deficiency of cholesterol, initiated because doctors wanted to get the kickback from the pharmaceutical companies for, for prescribing statin drugs to lower your cholesterol. Then comes along Alzheimer's disease. I'll tell you a great story about Alzheimer's disease. A guy by the name of Ray McGregor, he allowed me to tell his name from, from uh, um, Charlotte, North Carolina. He was, uh, he was a bank officer, and um, he... Uh, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. This was probably about 20 years ago now. And um, he was treated with pharmaceuticals for Alzheimer's disease. Okay. And he went down, down, down. By the end of the third year, he goes into a coma. He was in a coma for eight years by the time that his sister called me. And, she, and you know, they kept him in a nursing home, feeding him in shore through a G-tube and IVs, uh, you know, with um, electrolytes and stuff like that keeping him alive, hoping that a cure would come along for Alzheimer's disease. In the meantime, they're getting all this money for keeping him in their nursing home, right? So his, his brain waves are about zero at this point after eight years in a coma, I'm unsure. And so his sister calls me on the radio and says, hey, my brother Ray McGregor um, is in a coma. He's been in a coma for eight years. His, his brain waves are about zero, and they're going to take him off you know, life support and let him die. And he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Anything you can do for him now? I said, yeah. I want you to, you know, get him our, our shake, make it with heavy cream instead of water, make it uh, um, beat up some some steamed eggs and put them in. I want a, a healthy brain and heart pack with each of the three meals in that uh, in that shake. Uh, you've got to have three eggs in each one of those shakes as well, and three meals. And then I want the, de- I want the uh, de-stress capsules for brain metabolism. I want the Ultimate Daily Classic tablets, three of those with each meal. Uh, so it would be three bottles a month. And that's to get the, the blood flowing through blocked arteries in the brain in case it was really just, uh, instead of truly Alzheimer's disease, maybe it was just vascular dementia. It was plaque in the arteries in the brain. Uh, 
Okay. Well, here's here's what happened. In three days, she calls me. I said, oh, how's your brother Ray? She's and she's screaming her brother's name. She's screaming it on the radio. Ray McGregor, Ray McGregor, my brother Ray. What was? How's your brother doing? So well, he woke up this morning. He didn't realize he was in a coma for eight years. He thought he was just waking up from a night's sleep. He shaves, gets dressed. He goes to work at the bank, and none of those people at the bank were there when he went into a coma and went into the nursing home eight years earlier. So he thought this guy was some creative bank robber trying to sit at the, the bank officer's desk to, to rob the bank when they were all at lunch or something. Okay? And so th- this is the sort of thing you can do when you, when you have the right answer instead of treating a symptom. What about, like, I have this friend who was a guitarist, like the quality of Santana, and now, you know, he can't even use that hand. Can that be recovered? Okay, I, I missed the first part of that. What was his problem? He was a very talented proficient virtuoso guitarist and now okay. after the stroke it was he said it was a, like lightning went off in his brain and can then... we're, we're coming yep. up to a break you want to take yeah. us out here okay yes <laughs> you're on the other side of the news we're listening okay. to dr wallach and we'll pick up the answer on the other side of the break Other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back 
to the other side of the news. We have an amazing guest tonight, Dr. Joel Wallach, and uh, co-host Annette Driscoll, and Drew Curry, and myself, Kinthea. And, Doc, we were just talking about the stroke victim, uh, my friend who was a virtuoso guitarist, and now he, you know, he has no use of his guitar-playing hand, and I'm just asking if you're, if these minerals could help him as well. Okay, well, all things are possible, right? I can't guarantee it because I haven't seen him and all of a sudden, and, you know, seen all the parameters here. But definitely he will improve. Now, whether he can get back to the level he was, but I, I take athletes of all kinds, basketball players, boxers, football players. Um, we have, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I know we have uh, comedians and things like that. I'm trying to think if we actually have people who played instruments. Uh, oh, yeah, Willie Nelson. Okay, he played the guitar and sang, right? I, mm-hmm. I rebuilt him. He he had a stroke and a heart attack and all that kind of stuff, and I rebuilt Willie Nelson. Wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's still going good. And this is like seven years after I rebuilt him. He's still going good. But before, he was just an invalid, and now he's still out there performing. Okay. So, um the answer is the odds are he's going to see improvement. Uh, how much? Uh, I, you know, I, I can't tell until I see him and see his records and everything like that. But what has he got to lose to try it for six months? Just to get better. Hurt him. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Doc, Doc, what about um, afflictions, especially among our children with, you know, like ADD, ADHD, and even autism, which seems to be on the rise in an incredible way. Most people say it's linked to vaccines, but those three no. areas... Okay. Yeah, see, now that's what I had, okay? Remember, at the beginning, I told you my story briefly, right. that um, when I was four years old, I started, and it would be called autism today. Back then, they didn't have a name for it. It was, aut- it was a, a violent form of autism, and it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And when I was nine, I began to eat animal food, and in three days' time, I was cured after 20 doctors, and they were going to institutionalize me because it was getting so dangerous hurting people, okay? And just three days eating animal food with the supplements, I cured myself. So I knew that there was something that veterinarians and, and farmers knew about nutrition that doctors didn't know, okay? And so uh, all of these diseases, autism, anxiety, depression, those kind of things, learning disabilities, they're all nutritional deficiency diseases, okay? They're all nutritional deficiency diseases. And so it's a matter of getting rid of the gluten, get off all the bad stuff, get off all the sugar and the fried foods and the processed meats and the oils and the glutens, wheat, butter, and oats, live like an Asian, take the 90 cents of nutrients of our little kids that are, you know, just a couple of years old and going through that stuff. Uh, we have a liquid supplement called Kids Toddy, like a hot toddy, there's a couple other things you need to add to it, you know, like the EFAs and omega-3s and stuff like that. But these things turn around very quickly. If you give them, it's kind of like everything else. If you have the key to the lock, the lock opens. If you're trying to open it by beating that lock with a feather, you're not going to do much, right? If you beat it with a screwdriver, the odds are it's going to do much. If you beat it with a big hammer, you might break the door and get in. But it's much better just to use a key. Well, the same way it was here when you're dealing with autism and all these things, our food is getting less and less nutritious because there's right. less and less minerals in them, right? 
Nobody's putting wood ashes in their gardens anymore. Nobody's putting wood ashes in their stove anymore. Nobody's simmering chicken bones on the on the stove all night and eat, and drinking the bone soup in the morning. Okay, so, we're too sophisticated for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, we, so this is why we have these problems. So do you think that I mean it's it's interesting, you know, you started off the show and I know we're <laughs> like 20 minutes out from the end of it, which is unbelievable, as usual, but in terms of time flying. But you, you've basically brought us wisdom back. I mean, common sense, things that we, like you say, we knew for thousands of years. I mean, our grandmothers knew before us, and our bodies naturally crave it. And You know, I, I, let me give you a little side story, Doc. So today I was at my mom's place. She's 83, and we were, my, my boys and I were, were doing the lawns and cleaning up, and there's been a bit of a problem with these this mother raccoon and her four three or four cubs, and um, she's been hanging out in my mom's place and making a nest here and there, and I, I look up and I see between the crack and the uh, uh, between you know on, on the deck I see these little beady eyes looking at me and there's the lump of them they're all sort of staring at me and mother's looking at me, and you know you see these animals that have this clear clearness in their eyes and their bodies are lithe and strong and they can do anything right and they just have you know they live in live in our communities right here and they're doing their thing with an inner knowledge like where have we lost that where have we lost that touch i mean anetta said you know it's it's not so much that the doctors are imposing this lack of nutrition lack of knowledge throughout our societies or at least in our you know western societies it's the pharma that's been running the medical schools. And, you know, do they know? Do they have the common sense somewhere and they've just let us become vacuous? What is it? Okay, we have two problems going on in that, in that um, arena, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Number one, the medical students are going to do exactly as the professors teach them. Um, how many schools give um, five days' worth of lecture on nutrition for four years of medical school? None. They just tell them, tell your patients, eat well, they'll get everything they need. And so that's what they tell their patients. Mm-hmm. If you start giving a lot of vitamins and minerals, they take your license away. So that's on the other end. You know, you got the feather and, and the hammer, okay? And so um, it's one of those things where the pharmaceutical company, they're like um, uh, the, the um, companies that, that – gave um, the the electricity, right, Thomas Edison, they gave him all the money. They took it away from Tesla mm-hmm. and gave it to, to um, uh, okay, and, and they gave it to um, Thomas Edison because he had wires. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to give it to Tesla because they couldn't bill the patient, or bill the customer. Okay, well, the same thing is true here. Um, they they were really happy when, when insurance came along because they could bill for anything and insurance would pay for it. Now, insurance companies, they'd be smart if they would really follow me around and begin to inquire other doctors that do what I do and all of our longevity associates that do what we do, and they would save a lot of money. They'd be a lot more profitable if they do what we did, and their results would be better in paying for what we do to, to, for their customers as opposed to paying for surgery when you just need a few vitamins and minerals. Okay, so it comes down to, you know, you, you know, you have the reward and the punishment for the doctors and the medical students. And, of course, you got the same thing for the pharmacist. Um, I, I have a lot of pharmacists who work with us. 
Mm-hmm. I have a lot of nurses who work with us. I have a lot of nurse practitioners who work with us because they're out there, they're kind of seeing stuff, and they're out there in small communities, and they see stuff. And they read my stuff, and they listen to me on the radio, and they come to my lectures, and they get on my Zooms and all that kind of stuff, and they try it, and it works, and they say, oh, we got, you know, we got a problem here with what we're doing. But they know better than to go back and talk to the doctors that are referring patients to them because if they go back to the doctor, the doctor will refer patients to somebody else. So how is it going to turn around? We the people have to start demanding that it turns around. That's right. It's we the people. That's what it comes down to. And, of course, that's the way we look at it in Longevity, my company, we look at it that we've, we're throwing it out there for people, okay? Um, we don't charge anything for our diagnostic services. We don't charge anything uh, for our, our advice on diets and supplement programs. Uh, if you buy a book and you're doing it as a business, the book becomes a tool. It's a, it's a um, tax deduction. <clears throat> and, um, and so you say, well, I'll, I'll try some of these things for the diabetes and the arthritis here for six months. Well, if you get better, are you going to tell the rest of your family? Yeah. Are you going to tell your church mates? Yeah, of course you are. And so it, it's, it kind of goes along with those things. And so we're looking for we the people. And this is the way it always is. Uh, you get a community where there's a whole village where they just don't get diabetes. Is it a genetic thing? No. They're all Asians, and they just live on rice and sweet potatoes, and they happen to live in a place that has those minerals in the soil there, so they don't get diabetes because they're getting the minerals from their gardens, you know, in their tomatoes and cabbage and, and their sweet potatoes and stuff they're growing in their gardens. And they may even be supplementing a little bit, but they're not getting diabetes because they're not eating gluten and they can absorb the nutrients. Mm. Um, really con- go ahead, Annetta. Oh, I was going to say, um, so I know that you've done quite a bit around um, a mineral that, that most of us know at least, um, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your discoveries and research in it with selenium. That's a pretty interesting okay. one. Yeah, well, selenium, of course, um, is a wonderful mineral that supports your immune system. It also is required by the liver to do really a lot of the things that the liver does. The liver does 40 different things, and all the things the liver does require selenium as a cofactor. Um, selenium... Um, also repairs inflammation in connective tissue, you know, like your blood vessels when you have plaque in your arteries. But also selenium prevents connective tissue and, and organ diseases, again, the liver and, and the uh, pancreas, and so you're not going to get cystic fibrosis. You're not going to get muscular dystrophy because the selenium deficiency causes muscular dystrophy. You're not going to have your kid die of crib death because crib death is caused by deficiency of selenium and the kid dies of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy heart disease. Our sports drink has 78 minerals in it, including extra selenium added to it. So any athlete that drinks our um, rebound or sports drink is not going to die of a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy heart attack. And that's why the federal court was forced to give us the win to put that selenium into baby formulas including, you know, all the classic baby formulas, right, Infamil, Similac, all that kind of stuff, because for 40, 50, 60 years, medical doctors had told those companies that make these infant formulas not to put selenium in there because it was toxic. All those doctors who ever said that should go to jail for reckless endangerment and murder. Once we put it in there, suddenly now 
you don't hear anything about cystic fibrosis and muscular dystrophy. In fact, they fired Jerry Lewis because they gave him, you know, 100 charts with kids we've, we've reversed muscular dystrophy in, in the Amish community, and he got excited. He took it to the Muscular Dystrophy Association. They fired Jerry Lewis and shut off the telethon. Oh, my God. And then God. two years later, Jerry dies of a heart attack. Okay. And then in April 16, 2013, we get a win from a federal court to put that mineral, selenium, into baby formulas. And a year later, okay, we're talking um, September 13, 2014, first one came out was the Charlotte Observer, big newspaper. We don't know why, but sudden death syndrome has vanished is the word they use, vanished, in North Carolina. Then three months later, we don't know why, but sentiment death syndrome has vanished in the state of Missouri. Then three months later, every newspaper in the world came out and said, we don't know why, but sentiment death syndrome has dropped by 85 to 95% in the world. Well, that's because I forced them to put that one mineral in uh, that, that baby formula. Now, see, if I were a medical doctor and a professor in a big medical university like Harvard, I'd probably got the Nobel Prize for that. Yes, indeed. So um, you did get some awards, though. Like you have the 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 Klaus Schwartz Award. Can you can you speak to that? Yeah. Well, Klaus Schwartz, he was the guy who discovered that selenium was an essential nutrient back mm -hmm. in the 1920s, <laughs> and he was one of my professors. Okay, when it came to biochemistry, and so I was very very up on selenium. And so I would always test for that. And sure enough, cystic fibrosis, right, is uh, what was missing when they had uh, the liver and pancreatic disease of cystic fibrosis. In animals, it was called white muscle disease. And every farmer, you could go to a feed store and buy a bottle of injectable selenium when you had a calf that wouldn't stand up, when his newborn couldn't stand up because they had white muscle disease, a.k.a. muscular dystrophy. They would inject the selenium into the calf, and a half hour later, they'd get up and run around and be normal. Wow, that fast, huh? Yep, that fast. And then, of course, the sentiment death syndrome, okay, 1,700 autopsies, published in three languages, in the English version, 1990, the Journal of Trace Element Research. It was from Qishan Province, China, and the disease was called Qishan disease in China, named after the province because they had the highest death rate in kids under the age of 10 anywhere in the world. It's a heart attack. Okay, it's not mother laying on the baby. It's not, only 2% of the babies who died of sudden death syndrome were in the bed with their mother when they died. I went back and checked it out. No, 90% were in the crib by themselves. And none of them suffocated. They all died of the heart attack. Mm. And that's because I'm a pathologist. I asked those questions. What was the cause of death? Mm. And being in wow. bed with their mother, the mother suffocating the baby, it wasn't good enough when none of the babies died of suffocation. And only 2% were in the bed with their mothers. You know, you look at the police reports and, and the um, uh, autopsy reports, they, you know, all the information was there, just nobody interpreted it properly. Yes, I remember when I was um, back in, like, middle school and high school, we had several family friends that had children that died of that. And then, as I think about it, yeah, then nobody did. I mean, I haven't heard of it for a very long time, and it was it was just relatively common when I was younger, you know. Yeah, well, so. you have to appreciate you have to appreciate that 
um, 100% of the babies that died under the age of one years of age during the night, they were diagnosed as crib death. Of course, we came out with a kid's toddy, okay, before we got that win in the court, and, and I've been lecturing all over the world and, and pushing the kid's toddy to add to their baby formulas because they only had three minerals in there. They didn't have all 60 minerals. They only had three. And so slowly the rate was going from 100% of the babies dying in, in bed at night under the age of one year. Um, they would call crib death, and then it went down to 60%, and then 53%, and then 10%. And then when we put the selenium in the baby from, it went to zero. Well. 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 Okay. Dr. Wallet, can, so, yes, can I ask you a question? Yeah we're, we're, yeah, we're getting close to the end. We've got about 12 minutes left. I, just one question keeps emerging for me. You know, as we sort of muddle through this COVID thing and, you know, we see on the horizon the potential for huge changes on the planet hopefully really positive rather than some sort of weird dystopian future that we've talked about on this on this program if you could have one dream come true <laughs> what would that be as we move forward and you know and as we do a lot of self-discovery and reflection what would that be okay if everybody would learn how to take care of themselves and their families like they did before the turn of the 20th century Okay. Grandma was the doctor. We need to go back to that. But everybody needs to give up gluten, eat like an Asian, eat rice and, and sweet potatoes and other grains like buckwheat and, and um, that sort of stuff. Okay, corn. All right, potatoes, white potatoes, red potatoes, sweet potatoes. And no gluten, no wheat, brother, and oats in any way, shape, or form. No cheat day, no cheat meal per month. And then take the 90 cents of nutrients. We can eliminate 900 different diseases in all vertebrates, including humans, if everybody would do that. Wow. And of course, the medical profession would be one of those professions that sort of disappear except for trauma. Mm. Okay, get run over by a truck, you're unconscious, you're bleeding internally, right. you need to go to the emergency room, get cut yeah. open, right? Yeah. But see, for diabetes, no. Arthritis, no. Osteoporosis, no. Ringing in the ears, no. Uh, loss of vision, no. Um, Things like uh, kidney failure, on dialysis, no. Um, uh, putting in even wait, for fifty thousand dollars an artificial, <laughs> yeah, uh, fifty thousand dollars per knee. The doctor gave you a painkiller for three years, and then, well, we can't. The painkiller doesn't work anymore. Now we got to give you two fifty thousand dollars knees. And all you had to do is give them the healthy bone and joint pack and some MSM and get them off of gluten, and it all goes away. Mm. Okay, can you can you speak to that thing about some cartilage and joints a little bit? I know there's some amazing stories, so if you could share. Yeah, well, we do this with professional athletes. We do this with um, Olympic athletes, university athlete stars, um, you know, the various clubs and issues like that. I mean, I have some great, great stories um, of professional athletes of all sports. One of my favorites, because he's in the news now, Evander Holyfield. He's 57 years old and wants to come back and, and box again. Um, I was, you know, I, I grew up in the boxing world, too. That's another story. But um, Vander Holyfield, he was a champion for eight years in the heavyweight division. I mean, he would knock everybody out and before the fifth round came along. And then he had a heart attack, and he had to surrender his, his heavyweight championship. And uh, one of our uh, people who belonged to one of the churches that, that Vander Holyfield went to um, introduced him to me. We got him on our our healthy bone and joint pack and our healthy, um, um, uh, let's see here, 
uh, our Ultimate Daily Classic Tablets and our Healthy Brain and Heart Pack and all that kind of stuff. And in two months' time, we rebuilt his heart. He passed all the physicals, and he came back the next year, and he had to fight to get his championship back. They wouldn't give it back to him, even though he, he surrendered it. He had to fight and get it back, and he fought for three more years and never lost a fight. And in three more years, he fought three to five times a year because we rebuilt his heart, even though he had a near-fatal heart attack. And rebuilding joints, I mean, is easy. I mean, I rebuild more knees and hips and shoulders and necks and backs and professional athletes in every sport you can think of. You know, soccer, football, basketball, big names. Hmm. Very, very easy. Oh. Yeah. Dog, so one what? of the things that... Oh, oh sorry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, and then I know we're running out of time, so we're trying to crap it here. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, so one of the things that... Um, and I know this isn't isn't true because I've actually had this experience. Uh, but you know, one of the the, the common myths is, and, and it, it's, it's you know usually said as fact from a doctor. Oh, you cannot rebuild cartilage, and um, well, it's and a big actually, lie. Yeah, it's a big lie. I do so can, tens of thousands of times every month. Yeah, I do that tens of thousands a month every month. I don't care if you have bone to bone arthritis and there's nothing there. We can rebuild it. Okay, a healthy bone and joint pack, MSM, vitamin D3, extra glucogel. And in the healthy bone and joint pack, it comes with a topical um, pain reliever. You just apply to the joints. You get a couple hours of relief. And within a couple of weeks, you don't need the pain reliever anymore because you've begun to rebuild the cartilage. Same way with your disc. People shrink and they get all these kind of peripheral neuropathies because the nerves are being squeezed. We rebuild their disc. Uh, they regain an inch or two in height that they've lost because of the disc are shrinking. They get rid of their... Um, atrial fibrillation, tachycardia, they get rid of their hiccups, they get rid of their tinnitus ringing in the ears, they get rid of their, their um, dizziness, and they get their vision back and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's all because of nutritional deficiencies of the skeletal system. These are, uh, bones are not like concrete. They're very dynamic. They take on nutrients when they're there, and they give up nutrients when they're not there. Okay? And so when you have people with all this joint problems and cartilage. Any doctor who tells you that cartilage cannot be re, uh, regrown, rebuilt, uh, I, I win so many wagers. Let's have a wager with this guy, this doctor. You don't have to buy um, everybody in my office a, if I can regrow the cartilage in your knees, if I can do that, uh, he'll have to buy everybody in my office a, a steak dinner from Ruth Chris's Steakhouse, give us all a, you know, a $50 bottle of red wine, and um, uh, apologize in public. Okay. I've actually done I'm, that. I'm, I've actually done I'm that. I'm the knee testimony. I am the knee testimony, for sure. Oh, this is Sandy. It's, Sandy, it's hello. Sandy. Yeah. When I met Dr. Wallach, he said, so what do you want to do with your body? And I said, well, I'm going to have both my knees replaced and my left rotator cuff. And he said, not on my watch. And then he made me fly all the way to San Juan, Puerto Rico, to meet the number one shop locker in the NBA, Theo Ratliff. And I sat with Theo, and he was a dead man walking. He was completely, um, had porous bones, brittle bones, couldn't play anymore. And he was the number one shop locker. They gave him $60 million for four years right out of college. And then it was the game over. Walking dead man. And I sat and I had a three-hour lunch with him, and I went home, and I did everything Doc told him to do. And, and when Doc said to me, I said, well, you can't grow back cartilage. He looked at his watch and he goes, oh, there's another one. What? Oh, there's another one. <laughs> he just, he just, he's very funny about it, but he's so positive. And so I spent $3,800 to go to San Juan, Puerto Rico for this lunch. 
and it was the best investment I ever made. And, <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, my father, yeah. And my father, on his deathbed, when he had two weeks to live in Doc Bottom, just a, sh- a shade under four years, on Mission Impossible, he said to me, don't you ever leave him. And so if anybody's listening out there tonight and they want to go to a health survey with me, I will get you, I will get you the recipe from Doc. And I will work if 100 people call or 1,000 people call or two people call. I will be able to help you get that recipe. And just an FYI, do you know how much Doc charged for his book, It's All in Your Head? Uh, the 12 um, cranial nerves is only nine ninety five because he wants you to learn. He wants you to know. And I'm going to tell you something. He doesn't need preeminence or prosperity or positions, promotions, applause, popularity. He doesn't have to be right because he already knows. He's the first, he's the best, he's recognized, he's praised, and he's rewarded by God. So this is a very special man you all got to spend an evening with tonight. And just like I told you, Netta, he'll he'll take your breath away. Yes. Well, we're coming really close to the end, and I want to remind people that on the show page um, for tonight, if you go to uh, Doc's Items, there is all the information on how to contact Sandy and she's willing to work with each individual and figure out each individualized recipe and run it by doc or whatever is necessary there. So um, that's a great offer and it's totally free. So um, we want to have people get helped if they're interested in this and they want to change their life. So... Well, thank you very much for your hospitality. And again, oh, uh, Sandy is one of those angels of God, and and uh, you know she doesn't charge anything for her personal services or anything like that. And and you know we'll sell the products to you at wholesale, not retail. If you get on our ship, I'll pay the shipping, so you don't have to pay the shipping. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to get everybody to get going here and get this herd knowledge, so to speak, that everybody knows this stuff. But uh, Sandy's a great one. She is one of the angels of God because she helps thousands and thousands of people every month all over the world, and um, she doesn't charge anything for her personal services. Thank you, Doc. Well, this has been an amazing show. I'm so grateful that you came on, Doc. And everyone, to find the page again, you would go to the other side of midnight.com, and the show is called Milking the Medical machine that and the medical milking machine oh the medical (laughs) milking machine too many m's (laughs) and we loved having you tonight and this show will be continuing to play on the page so future audiences can also benefit from your wisdom and we so appreciate your time and well, you're very kind. Thank you so very much. And, you know, we'll be happy to do it again anytime. You can set it up with Sandy, and away we go. There we go. 60 seconds. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Good night, Good night. Good night.
10 seconds. 